Sarah, there are a few things in my life that once I find them, there's no going back. And one of those discoveries is comfortable, supportive, cute shoes from our sponsor, Vionic. I can confidently say I will never buy painful shoes again for a couple of reasons. But number one is that my podiatrist would be mad at me, right? Unsupportive shoes can cause so many issues and I don't have time for that. Oh, yeah, Megan, I hear you. The great thing is Vionic makes it easy to say yes to their shoes. And I think a perfect place to start is with the Vionic Vitals collection. These are the essential styles I grab first basically every day. The collection includes loafers, sandals, heels, flats, and sneakers. And between me and you, Megan, and our team member, Katie, we've tried and loved them all. I've been getting so many compliments lately on the Uptown Loafer, and I just clocked like 15 miles in this pair of shoes on a visit to New York City last month. So the comfort factor is no joke. Oh my gosh, I love my Uptown Loafers too so much. And right now I'm kind of living in the Malibu Beach slip-on. It's easy to try out Vionic shoes because every pair comes with a 30-day risk-free trial. Wear them, love them, or return for a full refund within 30 days. Use code themomhour15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Vionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 179 of the Mom Hour. I am Megan Francis here, as always, with Sarah Powers. How are you doing, Sarah? I'm great, Megan. How are you? I am good, and I'm excited about this topic because we are going to talk about something that I feel like, for me, is almost a cliche, but it's so fun to reminisce about, and that is how we were with our first baby versus all of the rest. All of, and with us, that, that that's is a lot of others. That's a lot of others. That's six babies in our combined experience that were not first babies. Right. I love this topic. Um, yeah. Giving a shout out, my sister actually gave me a nudge and suggested this topic. And then we had fun brainstorming in our Patreon Facebook group with some input. I feel like a lot of our listeners are going from one to two or thinking yeah. about going from one to two. Um, but then you and I have like the, like you said, the massive hindsight of first baby and then the many more. Yeah. And I want to point out that the cliche sometimes that we're like super uptight with the first baby and laid back after that is not always the case. And in some ways I became less uh, or more uptight with second and subsequent babies. Yes. And I think in some ways things just like, I think the way we put it this morning when we were talking about this is like, some things get better, some things get worse, some things get worse and we just get better at being proactive. Yeah. And then it also depends how you define better and worse. <laughs> Totally. So, totally. It's all perspective. And I kind of picked, I picked 10 categories. So we're going to move pretty quickly. Um, but some of them are really like really superficial, like birthdays and birthday parties. And then yeah. others are much more like your confidence as a mom. And so I think we're going to have fun. Like this is all over the map and we're going to yeah. have a lot of fun. We are. I also want to point out, um, thank you to all of our Patreon members who, you know, gave us some feedback for this episode. And if you're a Patreon member, you could also be chatting with us privately and, and giving us feedback yeah. on future episodes as well. So we should throw a shout out to that at the, um, in the show notes. Maybe Absolutely. With link. Yep. We'll yep. link up and, and it's just the basic Patreon support level gets you access to this Facebook group, which has just been really fun. It has been. Megan's summer is calling and no prep, no mess meals from our sponsor Factor are here to keep us energized for everything that comes with it. 
Whether our listeners are planning on pool days, family bike rides, or evenings at the ballpark, Factor Meals can be ready in two minutes whenever hunger strikes. There's no shopping, prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. So talk about easy, right? Yeah, it doesn't get much easier than that, Sarah. Plus, Factor's chef-crafted meals also make it easy to stay on track with our wellness goals. Factor's meals are fresh, never frozen, and they include some seriously gourmet options like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. So here's how it works. Factor provides a weekly menu of 35 different choices, including preferences like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Plus, they have more than 60 add-ons like breakfast, lunch, snacks, and beverages. I recently signed my brother up for Factor Meals, and I covered his first couple of shipments as his birthday present. He just told me he's been loving them so much he plans to take over the subscription and keep on ordering. He is a nurse and works nights, so having a healthier option to quickly heat up on his break or when he gets home from a 12-hour shift is perfect. Well, listeners, what are you waiting for? Head to factormeals.com slash momhour5050 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code momhour50 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Sarah, I love it when the Mom Hour is able to partner with other female-founded brands, and that's the case with our sponsor, Our Place. Our Place makes stunning kitchen products that are healthy and sustainable. We've been testing out some items from Our Place for a little while now, so I'm curious, Sarah, what does your family think? Okay, well, we are absolutely loving our new bakeware set from Our Place. It's a five-piece set that includes three different sizes of baking dishes. So, you know, for your banana bread loaf, your brownies, your lasagna, all the things. And then it also comes with this griddle pan that works on the stovetop or in the oven. We chose the neutral steam color, and it's so pretty, but there are so many cool colors to choose from. Oh, that sounds so nice. Um, I picked sage, which is such a pretty green for our cookware set. And everything Our Place offers is non-toxic. They're really leading the way with their durable, easy to clean ceramic coatings. Unfortunately, a lot of other companies are still using forever chemicals because they're cheap, but there's so much research coming out about how harmful they can be. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter our code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's fromourplace.com and the code is MOMHOUR. Okay, Megan, we're going to talk about the first, the first versus the rest. Okay. These these poor first babies. I am one and you are among the rest. (laughs) I'm among the rest. I'm the the caboose. Actually, um, for our new listeners who maybe don't know, let's just go real quick with... um, just how many kids we have and I don't yeah. know, like how old the oldest is maybe. Yeah. So um, my oldest, Jacob, is 20. He'll be 21 next month. And then I have an 18-year-old, um, Isaac. I have a 14-year-old, William. I have a 12-year-old, Owen. And I have a 9-year-old, Clara. Actually, Isaac is 19 now. He just turned 19. I had to stop myself because I was like, oh is he gosh. 18 anymore? Well, it's your, fall, it's your fall birthday season. So all it's the boys crazy. are changing They're ages. They're all changing ages. Yes. <laughs> So yeah. uh, I'm in the stretch where everybody's the same age for like seven months. And then there's a few birthdays. So mine are 10, eight and five. I don't almost think about that. Um, so Allegra is 10 and a half. Reed is eight and a half. And Violet is five will be six in January. Um, so we are, again, looking major hindsight here. Um, but the first category is the simplest. And that is pregnancy. So how is pregnancy different for you? And we'll move kind of quick. Um, yeah. The first time versus the rest. 
Well, my pregnancy was, first of all, I was 20 years old. So my yeah. pregnancy itself was very easy. Um, I want to give a shout out to our Patreon member, Jesse, who said, first pregnancy, she just rolled with things. Didn't plan much and figured it would all work out. Postpartum was really hard with lots of anxiety and very little support. Um, so the second time around, she planned a lot more support for postpartum and saved up money to take more time off work. Also, at the first sign of nursing trouble, she called a lactation consultant she had found prior to birth. So where I really identified with yeah. Jesse is that I did so much reading about pregnancy and birth. And so much of that you really can't like it's no there's no context until you've gone through it. So yeah. I remember reading I read probably like 15 books on pregnancy, birth yeah. um, and really nerded out on it. And then once I felt what an actual labor contraction felt like, I was like, oh, OK, <laughs> so that's not what I thought. Um, so what I didn't do was really any reading or preparing for postpartum. Yeah. Like I just I thought to me that was like something that was going to happen yeah. anyway and I didn't have to worry about it. Yeah. And so I really, the funny thing is I really could have prepared for that in some concrete ways. Um, like I could have gotten my hands on a halfway decent breast pump. Right. Um, I could have not brought my pre-pregnancy jeans to wear home from the <laughs> hospital. What was I thinking? I just didn't, I had no idea. So it's, it's funny. I could have planned for a lot more support. I could have planned yeah. to not have family members visiting two days after the baby was born. So I just think it's funny how like I put so much emphasis on the pregnancy and birth part yeah. and like so little on the other part. Well, I think it's a great, I think you can almost sum this up with you over-prepare for certain things and under-prepare for others. So yes. um, our listener, Laura, talked about how the nursery was set up months in advance with her first. And with her second, she knew that the first two months after he was born, he was going to be in the bassinet or in the bed with her and didn't even bother with the nursery. The nursery, they set it up as a guest room so that they yeah. could have family stay in the house and help. That's so genius. That is such like a is second genius. time mom, like, you know, to heck with the nursery. Right. I'm going to make sure that I have a place for the helpers to sleep so that I can get help. I love that. I would say um, for me, a big one, I, I'm the same. I, I read everything about pregnancy. When I was 32, almost 33 weeks, I found out I would be having a scheduled C-section and I didn't really do much preparation for that. I think I didn't know anybody who'd had C-sections. I just kind of went with what my doctor said. And um, so the second time around, I was much more proactive. I did have repeat C-sections, but I was much more proactive with my doctor about like how I wanted recovery to go, how I wanted the anesthesia. Like I just became a much better advocate for myself. And I think if you had, uh, no matter what kind of birth you had, like you said, once you've gone through it, you can know how you want it to go the next time, whether that's a C-section or a vaginal birth or home or whatever. So, yeah. And um, sometimes you don't, you don't, you almost can't know things sometimes until someone points it out to you. Like yeah. there are things that won't be found um, in a typical book or article that you might just like, oh, an example that would apply definitely to C-section moms, but, but any kind of birth is like keeping on top of your pain meds. I had no idea that mechanics behind why that's a thing. Yes. Until like my third baby. Yeah. Because I didn't realize that if you let it wear off, your body has to work like so much harder. Right. To kick it back in. I right. didn't know that. I thought if I could let it wear off and not be in, you know, terrible pain, I was doing pretty well. Right. So that's something I think someone mentioned to me like offhand when I had my third and I was like, wait, what? Yeah. And yeah. it changed my experience. Yeah. And another thing I thought of and somebody mentioned as well is. Um, marking the week by week progress. However you do that. Some people take like a weekly photo or you get the weekly emails about how big your baby is. I think with your first pregnancy, that's the only thing you have to really think about and focus on is the baby growing inside you. Whereas the, the subsequent times, number one, you already have a kid, which is totally right. different. Like you are already a mom. Um, and you also, it's just, 
it's less, maybe it's less special each week that it's the size of a rutabaga or whatever. Right. I mean, yeah. I know, I, I definitely know some people just lose track of like how many weeks or where they are. I never did that because I'm such like a, I'm such a chronological person in my brain that I always kind of knew how many weeks I was, but there's definitely less um, focus on every minute detail of the of the baby's development because you kind of know what's happening and barring yeah. any concerns, you know, it's happening as it should. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's all a great point. I want to point out one more thing, just in case we have moms who maybe are still pregnant with their first, um, or even still in the new, you know, new phases with their first, something that I suffered from a lot with my first baby and then got over with subsequent babies. Um, and, and they're very specific memory I have of this is having a really hard time nursing with, uh, Jacob mm -hmm. and not wanting to call anyone for help, mm -hmm. like not wanting to call the number for La Leche League, not wanting to call the lactation consultant in the off hours because I had this weird feeling like I'd be bothering them. Oh, yeah. And then I had a baby and I was like, wait, no, if someone signs up to be a lactation yeah. consultant or La Leche <laughs> League, you know, free volunteer, yeah. it's because they want to help you. Like yeah. they will take your call late at night. They, that's what they want to do. Yeah. Same with doulas and same yeah. with, uh, you know, any kind of person in I want to say like birth work and new mom work like yeah. there that is a calling yeah. you don't do that because you're getting paid well and have great hours yeah I'm sorry to tell you <laughs> you're doing that because you're willing to take calls late at night and and really help people because it's a passion of yours and like I just and even other moms that you can lean on for stuff like I think I just underestimated how Want, how much other people would want to help me and give yes. their advice. And I felt very sheepish about asking for it. Yes. I think that's so important. And that extends to everything like going out to a support group or going to try to make some new friends or going to asking stroller mom slides. If she has yes. an extra wipe when you're in a bathroom yes. in a public restaurant or, yes. you know, restroom and like, can't find a wipe. Like I kind of feel like moms are wired to want to help each other. Yes, they are. And, but it, we, yeah. when you're in the fog, it feels yeah. like a bigger deal or something. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. I'm going to jump to a, a kind of fluffier topic and then we'll kind of vacillate back and forth. But okay. the, the next topic is pictures and videos and memory keeping. How was this different with the first and the rest? Okay. So I'm such like a cliche. <laughs> so cliched mom of many. Um, I have two or three completed baby books for Jacob and then like half of one for Isaac <laughs> and exactly zero for the other three. Like I didn't, I don't think I even bothered buying a baby book with any three, honestly, the other three, um, William got the rawest end of the deal because he was born in 2003. And so we were right on the cusp of switching from regular cameras to digital uh -huh. and cell phone cameras. And we were always a little bit ahead of the curve, um, technologically. So mm -hmm. we had those things before a lot of other people did, but they were crappy. Yeah. Like we took really crappy pictures and a lot of them, a lot of those pictures did not survive the move to a new phone or like the camera would break and we couldn't figure out how to get the pictures off of the, the off the little thing or whatever, or the, you know, those teeny tiny little drives yeah. get lost. Um, Clara and Owen, on the other hand, uh, Owen was born in 2005. So his babyhood, not so much, but his early childhood and Clara's babyhood were documented, documented heavily online. So yeah. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, my blog, like there's tons of pictures of them out there and they're out there in the yeah. world. So I feel like William is in this weird middle spot where he kind of, <laughs> kind of got the raw end of the stick. Yeah. And he's so cute. Too. He is adorable. I do have at least, I am glad that I do have some really good pictures of Will. I just don't have as many as I yeah. would like. I think if you think of like in 50 years, it's just the few that matter. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, you just want like a few good pictures of each kid at different ages. And now well, we have and thousands. It's funny when I go back through Jacob's baby book, like to me, that's not my favorite thing to yeah. look at anyway. My favorite thing to look at is there's 
funny pictures of him and you know, and I do have scrapbooks of all the kids. So I that was a fun thing to do. I think it's more for the kid to have to look at. Yeah. But like, I don't really care. Yeah. I'm not going to get his lock of hair out of the bag and play with it. Right. Oh, my gosh. Okay. <laughs> so I will speak to baby books real quick because yeah. I have, first of all, my kids were born in 2008, 2010, and 2013. Digital photography was already here to stay. But I would say that things like digital scrapbooking and keeping everything in things like chat books or you know, photo books digitally, that was still in transition. And like the original baby books are still available. You can still buy them. I have one for each kid and only one of them is filled. And I have delusions that I will retroactively just do a few little baby book type things. I like the baby book. Um, like I do like the milestones and the first words. And we, in my family, we tell those stories over and over again. I feel like I have a pretty good grasp on those little, you know, first word and when did they crawl? And I have a, it's all in my head. I would like to get it out of my head. So that's a little less about pictures and more about the baby book thing. Um, with pictures, I actually think my youngest was the luckiest because I became a lot better at photography. Um, when Allegra was born, we had a regular digital camera that was fine, but I was terrible about using it. I just was a bad photographer. And then we had early cell phones or early for us cell phones in 2008, 2010. I got an iPhone, but then you know what happened is the filters of Instagram and like these other third-party apps. And for a while, do you remember, Megan, everyone was editing their photo, over editing their photos. And everything was weird. Like you wanted that like vintage Polaroid look. And now I look back and they look terrible. I mean, I still use apps (laughs) to edit my photos and I still use an Instagram filter, but I have such a better appreciation for just a well- a well-shot photo without some crazy filter. So Reed's babyhood was right when Instagram and all of that was coming out. And I just, I filtered, oh, way over filtered. And they all look like these, they look like bad pictures from the seventies, but I did that to them on purpose. Kind of funny. So my well, youngest- I was looking, I was looking through my Instagram and the very, very first picture on my Instagram is actually three in a row. Cause I don't think I knew how to like be selective. I was just like <laughs> pumping everything out. Yeah. And they were of Clara at Christmas. She was maybe three. And she looks like she's from the 70s. Yeah. And all three pictures. It's like the same picture three times 70s. Yeah. yeah. That that was the thing. And I got a DSLR camera when I was pregnant with Violet. Learned how to use it. The iPhone cameras kept getting better and better. And I kind of got into photography as a hobby. So my third kid has by far the best pictures. I mean, really good pictures. Because it was like a hobby of mine to get out the big camera. And then in the last couple iterations of the iPhone, the camera's gotten so good. So my picture, yeah. I have better pictures of my youngest than my oldest for sure. Yeah, I, I do as well. I want to, I want to um, give a shout out to what you said about, about like oral storytelling. Yeah. And I think that's something that in our family, I'm glad you brought that up because I think that's something in our family that's, we're really good at. Yeah. We tell stories over and over, like nobody's childhood was forgotten. Right. Not any one of them. And that's something that I think is, it helps that there's many of them to keep telling the stories, but like, we all remember when every single one was a baby and we all have two or three stories about when each one was a baby that I kind love of stands that. out. What we don't necessarily have, but what I also think is like less important maybe is some of those real specific milestones. Like I kind of remember when the boys all started walking, but it's a little foggy, but I have funny stories about them walking. Yeah. You know, yeah. I don't really remember necessarily all their first words, but I have really funny stories about yeah. early words yes. that each of them said, just not necessarily the first word. Yeah. I think we get caught up on stuff sometimes that in the 
end isn't really as important as yeah. other things anyway. And sometimes you actually need hindsight to appreciate the firsts. Like yeah. um, when it's happening to you in real time, you don't have the forward thinking to see what it's going to become. That's why like I always tell mom to take videos of like two and three year olds talking yes. because it starts yes. to feel so normal. And then pretty soon they're six and they don't talk like that anymore. And you just want to bottle it up. So I don't care the quality of the video. I don't care if it's landscape or portrait. Just get those little voices. Well, I have that video. Did I send you that video of me like laying on a bed? Yes, but we should share it again. Yes. I've seen it. It's me. I know. And I had just moved because the room that I'm in obviously is not the bedroom I wound up sleeping in. So I think we were like sleeping in Clara's bedroom while we were getting the other bedroom painted or something. Because obviously, like, I'm exhausted. And I'm just laying on this bed. Covered in children. Covered in children. There's, like, boxes everywhere. And Owen and Will are jumping up and down, jumping up and down. Clara is climbing. I mean, she's, like, you know, nine months old, maybe. And they're singing Kung Fu Fighting, the boys. Like, everybody was Kung Fu Fighting. And they're kicking each other. And then at one point, they want to, like, they want to get Clara in on it. And I'm laying there, and my voice is like, it's like the voice of someone who's just done. And I'm From like, the grave. no, no, don't, don't do that. What are you doing? And I, I'm monotone. Like I'm doing like the least amount I have to, to like parent them sort yeah. of, but their little voices are so cute. I know. And they'll never have those again. No. And it's I a know. terrible video, but I love it anyway. No. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Um, okay. So one listener comment from Tessa who has four kids. So she knows of which she speaks. Um, and she said, she said, I know that a lot of times the youngest gets the shaft in the way of the baby book, but because she's the youngest herself, she's trying to compensate, which I think we do that too. Um, so she's made sure that each of the kid has is equal in this way, like a, a completed baby book or whatever. She also says she likes to do those things. And that's another thing. Like we talk about on this show yeah. all the time. Like if that floats your boat to make scrapbooks and baby books, it's yep. going to be a lot easier for you to keep up with it. If you, if that's not your style, it doesn't make you a bad mom. Right. Um, okay. So let's do another, another category. And this is a kind of a big one, but let's talk food and feeding with the first baby. Yeah. Okay. So one thing that I think has emerged in my head as a pattern is with the first, I equated buying things to being prepared. Oh, that's such so, like an interesting like um, personality, like psychologically, I think. Yes. Well, I think that I, th- and this was like, I remember going and registering for my birth, my first baby shower with John and we had like the little scanner gun, yep, you know? Mm-hmm. And I remember we just, we were just scanning everything. Yeah. We're like we, we need all of these things, yeah. all of it. Obviously it's in the store. So somebody has have, decided I need it. Someone has decided I need it. And so with my with Jacob, before he was even born, I had I remember having boxes of rice cereal and jars of baby food purchased like before like there was he gonna, was born, like there was going to be an emergency, yeah. like a food emergency, like a fallout shelter situation. Yes, I think I just thought, you know, it was one of those things you should have in your house, you know, when you welcome a baby. So I yeah. had it before he was born. Um, I was also really excited to start solids because all the baby books said that you should. And they tell you, know, you the baby those... will sleep. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And, and it just seemed like a fun milestone. Like mm-hmm. I remember looking forward to that first year of having a baby thinking it's all going to be like fun milestones the whole year. And that's, I think how I had it mentally set up in my head. So I started solids with Jacob as soon as it was okayed. And this was like 20 years ago, 21 years ago. And so I think at that time it was like four months was when you were. Mm -hmm. I think it changed from four months to six months around the time I started having babies. But even when I had a baby in 2008, lots of people still did four months. And I want to say I was getting pressure a lot earlier than that, Mm -hmm. even from From like the generation generation before, because 
before that it had been recommended at like two weeks and then two <laughs> months. So I know I didn't go past four months. Um, and it went over like a lead balloon, whatever. <laughs> he didn't care about it. I had also bought like bottles and nipples, like in every possible shape and type, you know, like yep. every kind of bottle and nipple, you never know which kind. Yep. And the books will say that you don't know which kind the baby will take. Yeah. So you should just buy them all. Yeah. So the, by contrast between Jacob and Isaac, I don't think I bothered to give Isaac a bottle like I, maybe ever. Yeah. And if he did take a bottle, it was like when he was like a year old. Yeah. And I think he started solids like seven or eight months, six or seven, eight months, something like that. By the time we got to William, I didn't even bother with baby food. I just like squished up whatever on my plate was baby friendly. Yeah. And that's what he ate. So it's just kind of funny how like that was definitely something where I went from hyper to like whatever. Yes. Um, and I think we've talked a little bit about how now with baby led weaning kind of back in vogue and allergy recommendations being very different now than when we first yes. had babies. I just remember it, I remember thinking it was so complicated to start your baby on solids. Like I remember looking at charts and again, yes. with my personality, I, I, if someone gives me a chart, I'm going to adhere to it. I have a hard time saying, okay, well that's a chart. I'm going to look at it and then do my own thing. That's really hard for me, especially with the first baby. So I just remember thinking, okay, sweet potatoes for three days, make sure there's no reaction. Okay. But the jar has been open for two days. So is it safe or do I have to open another jar? It was like, there were so many rules. Yeah. And, um, I think part of it is that the recommendations have changed. Um, the age, the, also the, when you start has changed. So I think with, um, I think it just progressed. I progressively got more laid back. I also, yeah. like you said, was so excited to start it in the beginning. And then I remember with Violet, we were on vacation when she turned right at six months and she was showing all other outward signs of being ready for some kind of solids. And I was like, no, like this is too much. Well, I can't just, deal with the mess. Yeah. So much more. I mean, like, yes, the messy clothes The you have to have a bib all the time. Their diapers get gross. Yeah, it's, it's overrated. And now, Very much overrated. and now, um, I, you know, I agree that just bite-sized or, or, palatable sized squished up bits of food is so much so much easier yeah anything else about food and feeding as they got older like were you strict about sugar or certain things in a way with your first as they got older that you you know I know later? that I, I'm I'm not gonna say strict I was never strict I think I tried a little harder yeah to do things like make really healthy versions of snacks and yeah stuff when like Jacob was little and then I just kind of realized that the stuff we were eating wasn't unhealthy to begin with yeah like, I don't like it's not like the alternative. What I started to get annoyed with was this idea that we have to work so hard to make alternatives to stuff that kids don't even need to have in their yes. daily lives. Like they don't need to eat cookies every day. Yeah. So you don't have to work so hard to put spinach, to make yeah. healthy cookies. Yeah. Just give them something else. That's not a cookie. Yes. No, <laughs> I, it started I really to feel very like, I don't know, uh, manufactured like yeah. that whole problem. Yeah. I really relate to that. I think, um, I think a big thing is with your first, if you're not around older kids and sometimes you are, if you've got cousins and things like that, but I didn't. So my oldest was only around kids, her own age, which means we were all first time moms and we were all doing things like buying the Annie's fruit snacks instead of the Welch's fruit snacks or whatever. And it wasn't that, it wasn't that I would have fainted in horror at a little bit of high fructose corn syrup. It was that everybody around me was doing the same thing, yeah. which is, you know, trying to go the extra mile and there weren't any older siblings. So then by the time your second child is 18 months, 
they've had lollipops. Like I, I literally, I think I remember Allegra's first lollipop and it was when she had to get two flu shots because it was the H1N1 or swine flu or something. It was a crazy flu scare. We had to go this long drive and get two different flu shots and she cried so hard. And I was like, okay, it's, it's, it's time for her very first right. lollipop. I mean, my other babies had those little dum-dums from the doctor, like who knows when, but earlier than that. So I think yeah. some of it is exposure. You're just not exposed because you're in that new mom mode. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense, actually. Um, okay, I'm gonna do one more one more quickie before we take a break, and that is okay. just anything anything you have to say about adjusting to life, adjusting to life with this new baby the first time versus subsequent. Yeah, you got something to say. I want to hear what you have to say about okay. this one. Yeah, um, I think it was hardest the first time. I think other yeah. people will say maybe it depends on that. Maybe the age spread of your of your kids too. I, th- I know people who've had two babies really close together and they have a hard time the second time because it's like true overwhelm. Like now you've got a one-year-old and a newborn. But for me, adjusting to life from zero to one was harder than one to two or even two to three. And I think just because it's such an identity shift and everything is new. When I went from one to two, I was already a mom. Certain things got harder for sure because I had two babies, two kids, but there was so much that was familiar and that was helpful. I will say on the flip side of this, I think it took me longer each time to really feel like I had my feet underneath me. Um, Mm -hmm. So while the initial shock was biggest the first time, the amount of time it felt like I took to have my you know what together was longest the third time. And that was partly because I had a hard third pregnancy, a hard third baby. And I had three kids. So it just felt like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm back on my feet, but it took me a long time to really be back on my feet, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. And I, I think I'm one of those people who in my mind, it feels like the first baby was an easier adjustment than the second because my second baby was really hard. But I think that was just hard in different ways. Like Mm -hmm. the overall life change was much harder with the first. Mm -hmm. But I remember being really prepared for that. Like, I okay. remember being, like, really dug in. Um, I had quit working, like, I don't know. I was temping. And I think I quit, like, four weeks before he was born. And I just mm-hmm. had a lot of time to just, like, let the reality sink in that. And I and I also, I didn't have a lot of other things going on. We had moved. And right. I was living um, far away from most of my family and friends. And right. I was just, like, this was it for me. Like, right. I was going to have a baby. Right. and And I was really kind of young and naive about stuff too. So it was just like a, it was a little bit of a different situation because I wasn't, I wasn't leaving a job I loved. I wasn't setting aside my identity as a grown woman because I really didn't have one yet. It was just like different. Yeah. I think the second and subsequent babies were physically a lot harder. Yeah. I think I worked a lot harder at those ones. Um, and I think I rolled with the punches a little bit better in some ways, but it was hard and it was harder to get out of the house. I couldn't take them out the way I could take. Yeah. When it's just Jacob, you just, take your baby and you go. Yeah. And it was a lot harder to do that. So I think it's both. Yeah, I, I, I do too. I remember, I remember this conversation I had with this lady I lived nearby in Scottsdale and I didn't know her that well, but she had three kids and they were spaced exactly the same as mine, but she was like four years ahead of me. So when I had a newborn, a two and a half and a four and a half year old, she had like a four, seven and nine or something. And I remember her saying, you know, how's it going? And me just saying like, yeah, it is hard. Like, this is no joke. I have three kids under five. And I I said something like, you know, let me know when when it gets easier. And she's like, well, I don't know yet. And my youngest is four. And I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, there is that feeling of being in the weeds. I think for me, it lasted longer with each kid. But at the same time, I was getting more confident in other areas, too. So, yeah. 
Megan, I know we have a lot of moms in our community who really care about their kids' nutrition, but don't love the kids' gummy vitamins they're finding at the store. I get it. And so did the folks with our sponsor, Haya Health. Haya makes a kids' chewable multivitamin that kids love and that parents can feel great about. The company was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of those more popular children's vitamins, so they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's daily kids multivitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website, so go to HayaHealth, H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. We are welcoming back Ritual as a sponsor today. And Megan, you know, I've really stepped it up lately when it comes to health and wellness. I mean, I've told you this, but I go to an actual exercise class multiple times a week outside my house. That said, it's always tempting to want to do things perfectly. And here's the thing. A flawlessly clean diet is not something I'm ever going to achieve. Thankfully, Ritual is here telling moms it's okay not to be perfect. We love that message, right? Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin helps fill in key nutrient gaps to support foundational health with high quality traceable ingredients in clean bioavailable forms, which means your body can actually access and use them. Yeah, Sarah, I appreciate that Ritual's multivitamin is clinically backed. They put loads of research into their formulation, and Ritual is also soy-free, gluten-free, vegan-friendly, and formulated without GMOs. And this might sound kind of silly, but I love how pretty the packaging is and how the mint tab in each bottle helps keep those capsules smelling fresh. Oh, I love that too. Those little details make a big difference. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash the mom hour. Start ritual or add essential for women 18 plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash the mom hour for 25% off. Okay. Back to our show. We're talking back to our show, back to our regularly scheduled program. We're talking about the differences between the first baby versus the rest. Um, I'm going to skip around in our outline and go to a fun one that I think is different for everybody. And that is your mom life outside of baby. Cause I think this is so unique to each Mm. personality. So how did this work for you? I'm talking about things like meeting up with friends or continuing your hobbies. Like I picture almost like a curve, like it gets better, it gets worse. So how'd that work for you? So this is something that gets harder as time, like got harder for me as time went on, but also that I became better at, mm-hmm. which I think is an interesting thing about motherhood. It's, it's not that you get better at stuff because it becomes easier always. I think you, you figure it out and you come up with workarounds. Mm-hmm. So we all know it's easier to take a single baby out than they'll cart like three kids under six to the coffee shop. So right. it's not like during the day I was having leisurely brunches with friends. Right. Um, my memory is that I wound up spending a lot more time at home in general, the more kids I added probably starting with number two. I think I, I put up a valiant effort. Yeah, we, often we with, do. With number two to still get out and stuff. And then I was like, why am I doing this to myself? Yeah. 
Um, but I became at the same time more intentional about taking advantage of opportunities to get out without kids. Mm -hmm. And I also just kind of dug in my home on my home life. Like I got really good at making better use of the time I had at home. Mm -hmm. Um, I launched my career when I was just about to have William and it really took off when William was an infant. I found ways to work on projects I felt really passionate about. I found ways to just love being in my home mm-hmm. and inviting people into my home. Mm-hmm. I and I, I also had like a three, four, five year period there where our house was like party central and people would come and bring their kids. And like, we just basically had this almost open door policy where yeah. you could bring your kid and hang out with us. And we had so much fun during that time. Like, so, and there were just like piles of children everywhere, but everybody was in the same boat and we all had a lot of fun. So I think a, my idea of what it means to have a mom life outside a baby changed mm-hmm. and I became more intentional. Yeah. And something I observe about you is you are really good about, I mean, you're an extrovert, you have, you're surrounded by family and friends and you're really good at kind of merging your, like your social life with the fact that everybody around you has got kids and it's not like a kid event and it's not a mom's night out event. It's something in between and right. there's there's adults having fun doing what they want to do. And there's also kids. And I, I yeah. have appreciated kind of learning that from you. I think and I sometimes tend to... that means it's quantity over quality, right? Yeah. Because you might have a five hour hangout, but like two hours of that, it's going to be spent people dealing with their kids. Right. And, and somebody's bouncing but, a baby the so, entire time. Exactly. Yeah. But you still are getting out of the house. You're still having fun. You're getting adult conversation. Like, I just feel like we found a good way to merge all that. Like you said, I it, think you it, did it too. really help. I think you did too. I want to read what Marianne said in our group. She said the first baby, she spent a lot of her maternity leave, just her and the baby. So she could focus on nursing and naps. And with the second baby, she kind of threw all that to the wind and realized she wanted to use the time off to her advantage. So she got out with friends, took the baby on walks. Yeah. And first of all, I love that. But I can also see for some moms it being exactly the opposite. I think some some new moms have a brand new baby and think, I'm going to stick to my old life. life. I'm going to yep. do my, I'm going to go to my coffee shop. I'm going to go hang out with my friends who don't have babies yet. The baby's coming with me. And I think for some people it works great. Other people, it's a rude awakening, especially if the baby is one of those that, you know, needs to be held all the time or yep. like doesn't sleep in the car seat very well. And that can be hard. And so then sometimes with the second one, you hunker down. So I just think it's, it's fine that it's either way. But I love that Marianne realized like, you know what? I don't need to sit at home for three months. I'm going to get out and do my own thing. Yeah. Um, I, I think I think for me, um, our situation was that we'd only lived in Scottsdale for a few years when we had our first baby, and we really had not locked into a great social group. We had like friends at work, but they were like in all different places at li- in life, and we worked in the same office, my husband and I. So I actually, my social life improved after a few months after I had my first baby because I found a mom's group. The husbands were nice. We started doing things like bunko once a month and playgroup once a week, and so. On the one hand, I think it was really good. Uh, My social life was really good. However, it was completely baby and mom focused. So I think the good news was it got me out of the house. It got me doing things. But then I think for a long time, I was pretty much in the pattern of social time was with other moms talking about our kids. (laughs) And that can only last you so long. So then you have to work to break out of that, which I really probably didn't do till we moved here to California when I had three little kids and was finally ready to you know, just do more. I also think we were better about date nights after our first kid. Like we made a point and then after that we gave up for like eight years and that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, date nights take on a very different connotation the more kids you have. And yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've talked a lot, um, not so much on here, but like my blog, that was a big focus. For yeah. Me. Like a date night can look like a lot of things and yep. not to get so caught up in making it look like this fit, fit a mold. I think that's, I think that's good like. invi- advice in general. Like you yeah. have your first baby, 
you think it's supposed to be a certain way, it isn't, and then you get to make a choice. Like, okay, this isn't how I thought it was going to be, whatever right. the category is. So now you have to choose, like, am I okay with that? Am I, do I want something to change? Right. Like, but yeah. you, we all have to go through that realization of like, oh, monthly yep. date nights aren't happening for whatever right. reason. I don't know. Um, do you want to pick a category? We have more than we have time for, oh, um, but we have a right. few more, a few more to choose from. I'm curious well, what you want to talk about. Let's talk about, um, doing things by the book. Yeah. It's a good and one. I, it, that's in quotes. And I'm assuming what you mean by that is like, you know, following parenting advice books yes. to decide how we want to parent. Yeah. And, um, our Patreon member Tessa said for her, the biggest difference, and she's got four. So we, we already commented on, yeah. um, on her four kids has been the knowledge that they're truly their own people. When she had one, she said she thinks she compared her baby to whatever book she was reading, advice she was getting, um, et cetera. But the subsequent children came the growing realization that I might be here to guide them, but they're each on their own path. And she was able to give more grace to herself and them as they learned to navigate things like schedules, sleep training, discipline, milestones, et cetera. Yeah. Um, I love that. And I think this is going a little bit off topic, but one thing I thought was so amazing like I had Jacob and he was in many ways, a very typical first baby. He was a little high, strong, very sensitive, very good. Like very yeah. easy to take out places, very obedient. Yeah. Like listened. Wasn't um, that nice when they were obedient? It was great. It was so great. And then I had Isaac and he was like the opposite, like a wild child, just like, like adorably naughty, yeah. you know, and, and like crazy in different ways of very, he ran, like his energy levels was, were always through the roof. And I remember actually being pregnant with number three and thinking like, well, that's it. There's only two kinds of kids. So I wonder which kind this, this one's going to be. He's either going to be like Jacob or he's going to be right. like Isaac. And then William was born and he was totally different. Like yeah. he was a totally new kind. And then Owen was born and, and he was totally different. Like they all truly, yeah. you think that there's only certain, you know, number of people, kinds of people in the world. And it turns out there's all kinds of people. Yeah. So I just want to throw that out there. But one thing I did think of when, when I read Tessa's comment is I think the last time I read a discipline book was when Isaac was little and like I, I survived. I yeah. And you said in the outline, you said after surviving that nothing else really rattled me. No, really. Like after I exhausted my bag of tricks on Isaac, I kind of, I like, I don't know, internalized the ones I thought worked and nothing else discipline wise. I did really well after that. Like as far as me, I'm not saying yeah. my kids were well disciplined. I'm saying I, you, was okay. Yeah. You weren't, you weren't rattled. So I think I just came up with this in our last episode. You said you just came up with a theory on the fly. Now it's yeah. my turn to do that. So I think after you read all the books in the first like 18 months, two years of the first kid, you become the book. You are now writing the book of what right. works for your kids. And it's not that I don't look to expert sources anymore because I'm me and I still like to do that. But um, there is no one book. So it's not like it's not a one and done like you like to say, Megan. Like you yeah. you have to respond to the parenting challenges that are put in front of you. And there's no way to anticipate those because like you said, every kid is different. Every situation is different. So yeah. I think... Um, Things like sleeping and schedules and nap and feeding with the first baby, even the most well-meaning books, it's so hard not to take those and then take them as gospel, right? So like I remember having a lot of fear or ang anxiousness about breaking from whatever system we were trying, whether that was a nap schedule or yeah. a way of weaning or whatever. And I think what I got so much better at with each kid is like you can have a basic philosophy or like a plan and it's like the 80-20 rule. If 80% of the time you're doing bedtime this way in this routine and 20% of the time you're not, 
the kid's going to be okay. And I think that yeah. was the, that was the biggest change for me because I am such like a, I do like that kind of structure. So then the downside for me is I adhere to it to like a crazy lady level. And um, <laughs> I think I'm, I'm not, I mean, I'm still me, but I got way better at being more 80, 20 about it with, with each kid. You probably also though, in your head mentally kept track of 80%. Then you got too close. You're like, well, yeah, <laughs> it's back time to get back on track. No, exactly. I, it's totally, totally. Some things <laughs> never change. Some things never change. Um, uh, but I love that you work within that. I, I want to make one more comment yeah. about like this whole going by the book thing. Cause I, I came up with a theory while you <laughs> were talking about your theory. You ready All right. for this? Yeah, I'm ready. Cause one of the things we had uh, listed, we went, we might not get to that is confidence. Like mom yes. confidence. Yeah. Let's talk about that. But I feel like this totally relates to what you were just saying in that you get to a place where you are the book. And I almost think of it as I didn't start writing the story of who I was as a mom until probably like after I'd had my second for a while and maybe was like after I'd been a mom for several years. Yeah. It, it didn't it wasn't about the number of kids. It was about how long I'd been doing it. Yep. And you start to kind of develop that confidence and you have your arsenal of tricks that work and you have the stuff you can pull out of the hat. and. You're the person who can run in and save the day if another mom needs you. You're the person who never forgets to have X, Y, Z in your purse, whatever it is, right? And yep. like the more that happens, like it's like little teeny practice rounds or like yep. little muscle flexes yep. and you grow that confidence. And at the same time, you start telling the story to yourself about mm -hmm. the kind of mom you are. And I yeah. think it took me three or four years to figure out what kind of mom I was. Yeah. And that's hard. Like it's kind yeah. of hard to not know yeah. um, or to not see it. Yes. And then once you know, it's like, oh, so that's what I am. Okay, cool. Now I can really like be the best version of that yes. person possible. I, I love that. That That is so wise. And it does take a long time, as you say. And I think maybe what this podcast can do for brand newer moms is like, just encourage you to embrace that, the feeling of not being sure what kind of mom you are, yeah. what you want to do next. And it's not like we don't, go through that, Megan. We do. Yeah, like we do. We just, it's just at later phases. Well, and the kind of teenage mom I am is very different in some ways than the kind of yeah. baby and infant and preschool mom I was. And so I'm, it, I'm it guessing evolved. you didn't know what kind of teenage mom you were going to be for the first, like you had to oh, go through that idea. again. <laughs> right. I had to start all over. Yeah. Yay. Yay. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Let's just do one real quick one. Cause it's totally fluffy. And that is birthdays. Do you have any memories of like the first birthday versus the next first birthday. I actually have an I, essay called The Last First Birthday yeah. that I wrote one time. Uh, I think I've been basically the same about birthdays with all five kids. Oh, nice. I've always been pretty relaxed, but I've always tried to make them special. But like, they've always been more focused on family, like immediate family and maybe close family that lives nearby yeah. and less focused on a big party. Like I never really went through that. Like, oh, I did it this crazy way. And then I decided I had to scale back. It's been pretty scaled back from us from the start, which has been convenient. Yeah, I would say the same. Like we didn't, I see some of the birthday parties now and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like worthy of a reality show. We we right. were always pretty low key. I will say things like I did, I had made some invitations in the early days for my oldest, um, did things like made party favors, even when it was just like play group or family and friends. So I definitely did more and then got way more like grocery store cupcakes in the very cliche way as things as things went on. I will say that for a first baby, I always think that the first babies, wait, how am I going to say this? So it makes sense. The birthdays of the first kid as they grow up. So for you, yeah. Jacob, for me, Allegra, always feel a little bit more about mom because it's your anniversary of motherhood. And that I don't think ever goes away. Like every year that my oldest turns a new birthday, I think of it in a different way than I do my other two kids birthdays, if that makes sense. Because to me, yeah. it's also my anniversary of becoming a mom. 
And I think that's kind of a fun way to think about it. And it's just different because the other kids are not, they, you know, for better or for worse, they don't get that designation. They didn't make you a mom. The first one did. Right. That's true. I always kind of keep that in mind. Okay. Before we wrap, Megan, we're going to queue it up. And for those who are new, um, what we do is we pick an episode from the archives because now we now have over 200 episodes and we know sometimes it's overwhelming. If you find our show and you like our show, we want you to go back and listen, but it's hard to know what to pick. So at the end of every Tuesday episode, we pick something from the archives. And the idea is that you just right now in your podcast app, you scroll back and find it and listen to what we chose for you. So what'd you yeah. pick, Megan? So while we were talking or while I was preparing, you know, what I was going to say today, I re- was reminded of the episode we did about postpartum surprises. Yes. And what we wish we'd known. That was episode 88. Um, it was back in uh, 2017. I think late in the year in 2017. You're always better remembering okay. that. Um, but it was one where we just talked about like how no one tells you about certain unpleasant postpartum. Symptoms. Yeah, we got really specific. Yes. It's don't, you know, don't listen with like a new boyfriend in the room or something. <laughs> Do you remember we had a new sound editor the first time <gasps> oh that we, gosh, it yes. was. And so we were talking about. It was about, my co-host Johnny yeah. from the radio station and, and he, I, he and I were just getting to know each other. So it must have been pretty early. Well, it was know. February it was, 2017. I just looked it up. Okay. So it's early so we 2017. Like, yeah. So we'd only been working together for a few months and um, he had to listen to this whole episode and he doesn't have kids or anything. Yeah. So it's this, there's, there's discussions of bleeding and various fluids and yeah it was it was (laughs) lovely no that's a really 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 good episode um to choose and i think some of this some of this relates because we're talking about all this adjustment stuff so good choice um okay guys everything we talked about including past episodes is at themomhour.com i will also link up how to join our patreon community we'd love to see you we'd love to see you there thanks to all of our patrons who chimed in on this topic we didn't get to all the comments but we had so much fun discussing it with you in the facebook group and would love to see a few more of you there so we will be back soon thanks megan The Mom Hour is supported by partners like Erica. Erica is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug when they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. Erica was built by a dad of three boys who saw that teens themselves were really becoming self-aware to the risks of social media, and he wanted to help them self-regulate. Erica works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. The Mom Hour is brought to you by partners like Chatbooks. Chatbooks makes it beyond easy to create beautiful photo books by importing your digital photos from anywhere, Instagram, Facebook, Google Photos, or directly from your phone. The books come in a variety of sizes with beautiful cover options and binding styles to choose from, and they start at just $15. Plus, we have a great deal just for our listeners. Use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20% off your purchase. Just download the Chatbooks app and use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20%.